0: Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory." Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day, an hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son of Man, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be coming. So will be the coming of the Son of Man, for as in, the, in, in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect.
1: I was glad when they said unto me, we will go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within thy gates O Jerusalem. Hmm. Thank you, God, for bringing us into this, your house, not just this building, but into the midst of your people where your spirit resides. And we thank you for this new season, for this new start, and for the transformation you will bring about in us by the power of your word and spirit in the midst of your people. We pray all, pray all this in the name of Jesus your son. Amen. Each Sunday in Advent, we're going to begin Jay's sermon time or Chris's sermon time with a little bit of an interview. So we're shaking things up. We've shaken things up a lot tonight, haven't we? We've prayed the litany. There's been a wreath being lighted on fire, which I love fire. Come, come over here, Rashutis. I wanna to introduce to you, some of you know Tim and Angel Rashuti, they're friends of mine, they're probably friends of yours. And I'm just gonna ask them some, do you wanna hold the mic? Yes. There you go, yeah. <laughs> That's affirmative. Just gonna ask them some questions so that you can get to know them, hear a little bit about their story, and maybe what God has done in their lives since they've been at St. Bart's. Sound good? Yes. Okay, they've seen the questions in advance, so that I'm not just calling them out of nowhere. So Tim and Angel, look, you have two, two boys, Shepherd and Stone, very exciting. Tell us how you all, the Rashudis, uh, ended up at St. Bart's. Well,
2: there are two answers, um, both of which are true, but they are different. Um, <laughs> One is that we moved to East Dallas. We'd been living uh, around Uptown for several years, but moved out here. And some friends of ours, the Lemmings, I think I saw JD earlier, um, they visited our house and they said, oh my gosh, you're like two blocks away from our church, which we are. And they said, do you want to come visit the church? And we did, and we really enjoyed it. And so now we go to St. Parts. Um, <laughs> The it's other pretty an- simple yeah pretty straightforward that 's why that's the first answer I usually give. Um, the other answer is that we had a really painful experience at the church we'd been attending for over a decade, and actually, my wife did not attend church for a very long time because of that, and so when we came here and visited, we felt like there was a safety that we had not felt in a long time, um, an openness not just to the good times in uh, following Christ, but also seasons of loss and lament, which we felt like we were going through. And because this place was open to both, we felt comfortable attending here. So that's why we're here. that's
1: awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So that being said, what has God done in your lives, uh, if anything, since you've been here?
3: Um, I don't really know how to answer this question, other than to say... um, I was really broken when we started coming here, and honestly, I didn't know that I could ever do like the business of church ever again. Um, yeah, I just couldn't imagine it, and um, the first thing that God did was that I really felt like our kids were safe with Katie because we knew her, and we knew how committed she was to them being safe and felt like they were safe so that was the first thing but then I think and the only thing that came to my mind we um, they're not actually in our pastorate anymore but we were in Glenn and Stacy's pastorate until they went on and now we still are in the same pastorate but one of the things that came to my mind when we were telling them goodbye their last Sunday was that um, you know how in the military like the goal is to keep the flag up like you just keep the flag up (laughs) And I think for me, I just didn't know if like the flag of the church would remain. And I think, um, I was just really thankful when we didn't, we weren't praying for a church to be able to attend to you. But when we came and we could sit and feel, um, like we could worship together as a family and the living organism of the church had remained was just, um, Kind of miraculous.
1: Thank you for sharing that. So that being said, if, if you knew that someone was discouraged or felt like they kind of hit a wall in life or whatever, what phrase or word would you use to encourage them in their journey, maybe to, to not give up on the organism of church or the community or whatever?
2: I don't remember this question from when we did it before. What would you
1: tell someone? See, I just see what I did. I went off book line. What would you tell someone that's feeling the ache of life? Like, how would you console them or comfort them?
3: I mean, I think Advent is a beautiful time for that. Like, I think we in America tend to focus on the lights and the illusion of everything being perfect, but mm. that is not life. And I don't think that that's what the gospel is either. And so I think to be in the whole of Advent, this Advent season, like it is an aching, and a, He came and it is not right yet, but He is coming again and mm. whatever is not right yet, He will make right somehow. So I guess that would be my answer.
1: That's great. Does that count for you too? Yes. Okay, good, yes. <laughs> All right, and the last one. What, what, so what does, in a word or in a phrase, what does St. Bart's mean to the Rashuti family?
3: I guess, like, I hate to say this, but, like, real church. Like, it's not like a show. It's just, <laughs> real church, yeah. yeah, it's just you're coming together, you're reading the word, you're meeting with the church and loving each other, and, yeah, it's not it's just no. real church.
1: Wonderful. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Give them a round of applause. It took a lot of courage. I love what Angel said in the sense of Advent is the season where we expect that all that's been wrong, all that's happened that is unrighteous or unjust will one day be made right. And if you miss anything about the season of Advent, don't miss that Christ is coming again and he's coming to make things right. That's that's what we're celebrating with Advent. That's why we're getting ready. That's why we're being expectant. Because we want to be ready for his return. Now, our waiting can look a certain way. Can it not? It's easy in this season to, be, to go with the flow of the world around us. It's easy to... And, and you know we're going to have some things tonight at our, our Advent party right after the service that are very festive. And, we're, and I'm not saying don't enjoy life. Don't go to Christmas parties. But what I am saying... Is allow this time to mark and to form and to shape your life differently. Because there's something different now about time than there was yesterday. There's something about our waiting that can be transformed. Now, I was on a trip in Israel, and I want to tell you the story. It's humorous, but I want to tell you the story to illustrate a point. I was on a trip in Israel, and if you've ever been to Israel with a ch- on a church trip, has anybody been to Israel church trip? Okay, I see, I see some hands out there. I see you back there. You're on a schedule. It's a pretty tight schedule. And depending on who's running the trip, the schedule can be tighter than others. And I, Amy and I, had the, the wonderful fortune of being on this wonderful trip run by a great guy, but he was really into schedules. And I'm more of a, you know, relaxed, go with the flow kind of guy. And one day, we were, about, we, were gonna, we were in Jerusalem. We were at a great hotel, and we were about to head out of town. And I saw I had a window of opportunity to run to the restroom. You know, because you don't want to be stuck on the bus and have to go to the restroom. So I run back into the hotel, and I run into the restroom. And I'm in the restroom in the stall, and a knock comes on the door. And I just, I don't know what to say. So I say occupied, because maybe, like... I heard somebody say that one time, so I said, occupied. And, and so there, there was no response. And then I wait for a few more minutes and I hear the voices of not men, but women. And I realized, oh, wait. <laughs> I was so ready. I was so ready to leave and so ready to go that did, did I perchance go to the wrong restroom? And then I kinda, you know, ducked under And um, I saw a lot of, you know, pink shoes and white, you know, shoes that maybe belonged to females and not males. So (laughs) it is funny. Thank you, Ben. So I, I, I finish in there and I get back to the bus and I get out on time. And so I tell all that story to say that I was ready, but not quite in the right way. I wasn't quite in the right place where I needed to be at the right time. And tonight, I want to talk about transformed waiting. Here are the three points I'm going to give you ahead of time so you can follow along. We are to be ready for the return of Christ. Ready, period. We are to be ready for the return of Christ. Our readiness and our waiting involves learning and transformation. So as we're waiting, we're not going to stay the same. We're going to be transformed. And lastly, we have a personal responsibility to be active in our transformation and waiting. So be ready. Our readiness involves learning and transformation, and we have personal responsibility in that. So let's look first at what Jesus says. Jesus, Matthew 24, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not like you sit down and you're going to go to Netflix and you'll think, oh, I'll watch The Office or I'll watch Friends. You don't, you don't go to Matthew 24. It's like that long three- or four-hour movie that you know you should watch at some point, but you don't really want to watch So Jesus is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. He's talking about the last days when he will come again. So Jesus is giving a lot of weighty things. But look with me at verses 29 to 31. We'll start there. It's in your bulletin or in your Bible. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. So things are going haywire in the created order. All of this is to cue the coming of the Son of Man. Then will appear in the heaven the sign of the Son of Man. This is verse 30. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels. So he's going to go collect the elect of God. So the Son of Man comes again. The people of God come. The angels gather them together. Skip down to verse 36. But concerning that day, he's speaking of the coming of the Son of Man, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows not even the angels of heaven or the son of man but the father only just like when the flood came to noah nobody knew when it would come except noah knew because god told him so the coming of the son of man will be similar so jesus says going on down to verses 42 to 44 therefore because of all that stay awake be ready You don't know on the day when your Lord is coming. Verse 44, Therefore you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So Jesus gives an illustration talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. He says, Learn from the fig tree. When its shoots are tender, you know it's about to bloom. So also, when you see these signs, the Son of Man is going to come again. But you will not know when it's going to happen. So, be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be expectant. But how? How are we to be ready? Let's look at what Isaiah has to say. Oh, I love Isaiah. Don't you love Isaiah? Because Isaiah has a lot of Matthew 24 type things to say too. A lot of tough things. But we usually cherry pick the nice, delightful ones such as this passage, Isaiah 2, 1-5. If you look in your Bible, this is couched between two pretty harsh statements about judgment to Judah and Jerusalem. But how are we to be ready? Isaiah 2, 1 to 5 presents us with an eschatological picture. So a picture not of something that would necessarily happen on this side of the day of the Lord, but that will happen in God's good timing in the latter days, Isaiah says, where transformation occurs by teaching. Now hold on to that for a second. Transformation occurs by teaching. Now, do you remember a couple weeks ago, the penultimate day of the liturgical year, where we had that beautiful collect, blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. So learning looked like not just knowledge, but it looked like so that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of our everlasting life. So learning... Teaching results not just in more knowledge or more information, but transformation. Look at Isaiah 2, verses 3 and 4. Second half of verse 3. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. This is what many peoples are going to say. The nations, if you will. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths, For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord for Jerusalem. Another way to say that word law is teaching. So for out of Zion, out of this highest mountain where God establishes his supremacy over every God, over every false God and idol, from that place will go the word of the Lord, the the word of the Lord, the teaching of God. And look at verse 4, the result of that. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And because of that, because of God's wisdom, because of God's teaching, because of his instruction, because the people have had an encounter with a person, not an idea. Because they've encountered this living being, this living God, a God full of energy and vitality, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. This is what we call an utter transformation. This is something that we probably, that people long for, long to incarnate now on this side of heaven, but we probably won't see that. Because the beginning of the 20th century was going to give us all this technological advancement, and finally there'd be no more war, and there'd be peace, and what do you know, that was the most deadly century in history. So, humanity, left to our own (laughs) ways, are usually going to take things off the road, into the ditch, to an irreparable state. But God, in his teaching, in his word, brings about this transformation. That's why we advent just made it into a verb. It's not really a verb. That's why we do the season of Advent. That's why we mark time the way we do. That's why we submit ourselves to something different. Not just so that we'll have information. Well, I know that Isaiah 2 says in Matthew 24, Jay said it was like Netflix, that so you don't want to watch it. It's not just information. We do this so that we will be transformed. We put ourselves into the pathways of grace so we can encounter the living God. And and that involves taking in God's word. That involves praying daily. We have our our daily prayer booklets. Take one. Pray daily. Follow the lectionary. Read the scriptures. Every Wednesday morning, right here at 8.15, we will pray morning prayer. We're going to make Advent wreaths. Why do we light the wreath? Because it's the wreath and it's cool? Well... I mean, that's something different, but the wreath is a symbol, and it was completely dark, and once Stephen and Sarah lighted it, then there's some light, and then the next Sunday, there'll be more light, and more light, and more light, and so that's to symbolize the coming of Christ. It's to symbolize what Isaiah says to the people, O oh, house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. But how? We're to be ready. We're to be transformed as we learn from God. But how? How do we do that? We look to St. Paul in Romans 13. Here Paul presents us with our personal responsibility in this transformed waiting. I hope that when you heard Romans 13 read, you also recognized the collect that we prayed. Armor of light, Cast off the works of darkness, etc. Romans 13, look at verses 8 to 10. Oh no one, anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. There's that word again, the law. Remember that teaching, it's not just words on a page. It is a reality that we imbibe and we're invited to step into and live into. And St. Paul says, well, really to fulfill the law is to love your neighbor, How do we live into this transformation? How do we have transformed waiting? It's by love. Verse 9, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet it. So these are all from the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. How do we walk in the light of the Lord? How do we not go to the wrong restroom, but we're expectant and we're ready and we're waiting? Step one is to love. Now, I don't have the resources on my own to love the way that God loves me. But as I abide with God, he who is the vine, I who am a little branch on that vine, His love abides in me and flows forth from me. And the same is true for each of you in Christ. So you let the love of God flow through you to others. And in that way, you fulfill the law. So not only do we love, but another way that we're transformed and we're ready and we're taking responsibility for our transformation is we wake up. Look at verse 11 and 12. We wake up. Besides this, you know the time. Have you noticed all the time references? In the latter days, Jesus talking about the time. Now here's Paul. He's going to give us his own little time thing. Verse 11. Besides, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Wake up. You who are in Christ, are part of a new reality. It is the reality of the day. In the daytime, you're awake and you walk and you do things that are productive, that are good and true and beautiful. You do things that are human things, fully human things, not like fallen human things, but things that are transformed in the image and likeness of Christ kind of things. So wake up and act like it. Grace is what enables all of this. Can I control grace? Can you control grace? No. The church solved that in the 5th century at the Council of Ephesus. They said, God's grace has to enable to live for him. But we still have to do it, don't we? We still have to say yes. We still have to wake up. We still have to love that stinky old neighbor. We still have to forgive our enemy and our persecutors and our slanderers as we prayed earlier in the great litany. We have to take responsibility for our transformation. Hmm. It's a good and beautiful goal that we're moving towards, and I'm not just talking about the end of the sermon, but the coming of Christ, as Angel said so succinctly and and well, that is the gospel, that everything that is wrong will be undone and made right. Right. St. Peter says it this way, that there is a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness will dwell. That is what Advent is all about. It's getting us ready. It's not just getting us ready for Christmas, though. That's a lot of fun. It's getting us ready for these ultimate things. So we love, we wake up, and finally we put off and we put on in order to take responsibility for our transformation. Look at verse 12, second half. This is just like our colic for the day. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Hmm. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Think about that for a minute. The darkness has something for us to do and to toil and struggle with. But we can set those aside. We can let go of those things. We can let go of control. And we can put on the armor of light. So there's a promise even hidden in Paul's command that when we do that, when we put off and put on, notice the baptismal language, turning away and turning towards, putting off and putting on, as we do that, we're protected. We're shielded by God and his light, by his power, by his goodness. Verse 13, let us walk properly, As in the daytime. Again, we have to take responsibility so we don't engage in orgies and in drunkenness, in sexual immorality and sensuality, in quarreling and jealousy. So the first two are pretty serious, but he ends up at jealousy. So we're pretty much all can see ourselves falling into uh, one of those categories, can we not? And Paul says again to take responsibility for this transformation. Step away from those things, don't walk in that way. Walk in a way that is worthy of your calling. 14. Ultimately, we want to put on Christ so that we do not gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. We want to put on the armor of light. We want to put on Christ. Now, if you're baptized, you've put on Christ. That's already a reality for you. So if you're anything like me, you might simply need just to remember who you already are. It's like that invisible tattoo. That's why we make the sign of the cross to remind us who we already are, that we've already put on Christ. Even though we may be walking in the ways of darkness, it's not too late to set those acts aside and put on Christ and put on the armor of light. And by doing these things, by, in the grace of God, in His empowering, taking responsibility for our transformation, by the grace of God, learning and being transformed to walk in the light of the Lord, we will find ourselves ready. But it's almost like we don't focus just on being ready. I'm so ready, I'm so ready. I was so ready to get on the bus that I went to the wrong restroom. I had an alternate goal in my mind, namely, to use the restroom. What I really needed to be ready to do was to go and explore, to go and adventure, to go and experience. And for each of us, what we are to do in order to be ready is to learn, is to receive from God. God has so much to give to us to be transformed in that receiving and to take responsibility for our ongoing transformation. So, a few questions in closing. How are you waiting? What marks your waiting? Are you ready for Christ's return? And I don't ask that in like the church camp kind of way, like, you know, and if you're not, come on down here and we'll, you know, baptize you. I mean, are you is your life shaped in such a way that it's, it's pointing towards the coming of the one who will make all things that are wrong right? Are you putting yourself in the pathway of grace? Do you find yourself doing actions and disciplines and things that are gonna put you in a position to receive over and over from the living God? And finally, are you taking personal responsibility for your readiness see at the end of the day we, we walk as a community we walk as as the house of jacob as, as the people of god as the israel of god as the church and we still have to take personal responsibility before god ultimately of how we walk in this life in this season of advent gives us hope to do that with grace because God isn't angry at us. He's not looking at his watch, tapping it like, when are you going to be ready to get on the bus, Jay? He's eagerly watching and waiting. Remember what St. Peter said about the same idea that God is, is slow to anger. He wants all to come to a knowledge of him. He wants all to come to this living encounter with him where they can behold him and become more like him in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your love for us, your delight in us, that it's this almost embarrassing love that that we can't even comprehend. So in the midst of watching and waiting, in the midst of taking responsibility and learning and and being transformed, we pray most of all, God, that, that we would have that personal encounter with you where when we come away from that, we know we will never be the same. We thank you for the season of Advent. Lord, I pray that you'd slow time down in this season so that we could savor these days together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.